This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to another edition of the show. Today, a little later on, we're going to be talking all about the Crystal Cup Pond Hockey Challenge and the Sit Davis Memorial Cup. They're back! After several years on hiatus, the, uh, the tournament's going to be played in February. So we're going to chat with organizers Neil Levins and Jamie Osterland about what it means to be back on the pond after so many years away. But first, earlier this week, the Ministry of Transportation announced that they're going to put a camera at the 108th Street and Alaska Highway intersection to gather data on the frequency of collisions and near misses in the area. To talk about this from the city's perspective on uh, what could be named a problematic intersection in this area, we're joined now by City Councillor Trevor Bolin, who hasn't been on Moose Talks in some time live. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back in the studio. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about this. Uh, you probably heard the news that they're going to put in a camera. They want to, I guess, gather, gather more data. What do you think about it? What does council think about this as a, as sort of the next step? You know, Dub, over the years, I mean, the, 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 the council in the city of Fortune John, you know, including our, our directors and our, our general managers, have been very open to having discussions with the transportation, uh, the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, we've made suggestions about that intersection. Part of the problem that we've always had is that, that no matter what we'd come out with, um, their data didn't show it as a dangerous intersection. I think, it, I think it placed number eight or number nine as far as the dangerous intersections in the, in the city or in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, think it, I don't think we were ever fully heard, right, was the issue when you're looking at that kind of data. But I think on the flip side, I think you've got an intersection that is, is um, maybe where, where accidents are caused. People are paying for it. They're not being reported to ICBC. You know what I mean? So, so literally you could have 35 to 40% of those accidents that aren't even accounted for that. So I, I think it's good. They're going to have live raw data. You know, I mean, I, when, when I built on the other side of, of that intersection, um, I needed reports as far as traffic went and, and all these different things, because you are so close to the Alaska highway. That's a major concern for the province. Um, but let's get some hard data. They need to, you know, they need to then be able to use that data and listen to what the people are saying. The people are saying this intersection's dangerous. We need to do something. And, and, you know, we have lots of ideas as to what could be done. Um, we just need to have them aware that these changes need to take place. Mm-hmm. Now, for people who don't know, kind of explain to us exactly who's in charge of what. Because the Alaska Highway falls under the BC Ministry of Transportation, right? Which includes sort of the, the I, I don't know the word. On-ramp. For, the on-ramp, right? Exits. It does not include the frontage road intersection part of it, which is right beside it. That that's the city of Fort St. John. Is that correct? That is correct. And and you know, Dub, you bring up a good point because I think that's where we see most of people's questions become: or, or why is the city not doing something about this? Or you know what I mean? And, and why are these councillors not dealing with this? And part of the issue is is that that council literally has no say over the Alaska Highway, right? Mm-hmm. We can make our recommendations. We can you know we can meet with the ministry. We have zero say over it. Um, you know, on the business side of it. Even if, if, if you were to build somewhere within, you know, 150 feet of that intersection of that highway, that still has to go to the Ministry of Transportation for approval. That's still not even a city approval. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are in charge of the frontage road, but we still have to deal with the Ministry of Transportation, even with the frontage road, because it falls within that 150 feet of the Alaska Highway, right? I see. So, I mean, there's, so every intersection that, that's either coming onto the highway or leaving the highway is, an, is a Ministry of Transportation issue. The frontage roads, although, you know, we clear them and, and we deal with them, 
um, all of those approvals are still with the Ministry of Transportation as far as any changes or build-outs or anything like that. So it's, it's a lot more convoluted than people think it is, and it's certainly not a, a local control issue. Um, you know, that intersection, I think, I think why that one becomes such a, a major play is, is you've got so many different things happening at one time. You know, I, I made a comment on Facebook and, and one, of the, one of the sites that had been asked about, and, you know, I said I crossed that intersection probably five times a day. Um, knock on wood, I've never had an accident, but I'll tell you, going this morning, um, you know, I was popping over the highway this morning, and, and there's a truck that should have been, you know, straight on um, going across the highway, literally parked sideways mm-hmm. because he was trying to wedge in there. So, you know, I, I think, I think to me is there's, there's 90% of, of really good and, and aware and cautious drivers. And then there's, you know, the 10% that either don't know how that intersection would operate. Maybe it's their first few times using it or just don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those 10% are what, what makes it an extremely dangerous intersection. Um, you know, is it, is it a matter of a little bit more control? I think we should have left turning lanes. I think we should have left turning lanes. So on, on every single highway um, intersection, um, and then I think, you know what, put a, put a timed light that, that works with the light at the highway back by the Chevron, mm-hmm. right? Keep that intersection clear. If, if you would keep that intersection clear, people coming on or off would, would be able to do that with ease. You'd keep it back. Like when I go back there and there's already two or three people at the light getting ready to either cross or turn left, I stay back by the Chevron entrance. Mm-hmm. Leave that open. If, if, and I think that's literally all they would have to do to mitigate probably 60% of the issues on that intersection. Mm-hmm. I know when I go through there, the scariest part for me, and I often will just choose to go, say, if I'm going to McDonald's, for example, uh, I'll just go back around kind of Murray GM to avoid that intersection when it's busy. Because if you're trying to turn left off the frontage road onto 108th Street, you have to look for people on the highway, for people coming off the highway, for people crossing this way. It it's like it's this weird situation where as a driver, you're asked to almost double the number of things you're supposed to be paying attention to than you would in any really any other intersection in the city. Um, I want to ask you about this because my understanding is some time ago, council debated doing something about this within your power, of course, as you said. Um, I think it was in 2016. And I wondered if it came up that maybe we should put an extra light there. What can we do? What can we do? Uh, As you say, though, you can't because the Ministry of Transportation would still get to decide if a light goes at, at the spot you say or at the edge of the frontage road, I suppose, correct? Well, yeah. And that was, I mean, even back then when we looked at that years and years ago, and and I mean, a majority of that was more to to gather public feedback, right? Which is what we really wanted from from the users of that, as well as the businesses and, and what different options we had. But again, it would be okay. Here's what here's what we feel as council and, and hearing from our community feel needs to be done, um, and then present that to the Ministry of Transportation as far as, as being able to work together. You know, I can remember. I don't know what it was, Dub, a year and a half ago or two years ago. You know, we'd approached the Ministry of Transportation about about left turning lanes on both sides of every lit intersection along yeah. the highway. Here we are two years later. Uh, there's still none, right? I mean, that alone slows down traffic entering and and leaving the highway. And that's the biggest thing, right? The idea behind a frontage road to its simplest terms is to keep the slower traffic off the Alaska Highway, Mm -hmm. right? The Alaska Highway is a through fare. The frontage roads are to service businesses, service, you know, the, the, the municipality. So in keeping with that aspect, those left turning lights would then allow more of a, more of a, 
almost patterned traffic exit and entrance onto the Alaska Highway, especially off. Um, and at every intersection would actually slow down the amount of vehicles that are racing through to get to that. Because that's the issue is, is if you're trying to get off the highway, especially right now, that highway is busy. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We're just going to get busier. So now is certainly the time to do it. I think the cameras at this point in time are pivotal because it's the kind of the ramp up of, I think, as, as we're starting to see more traffic on the highway, more big trucks. Um, and, and then listen to the people. You know what? Have a, have a public meeting. Have a stakeholder engagement. Talk to the businesses. Talk to the residents of Fortune John and the users. And then seriously come up with a plan that we can present, um, you know, both as, as the city um, and, and as the province as to what the best options are for this. Okay. When you uh, come up with these plans, when you talk to the Ministry of Transportation and say, here's a problem, has, has, any, has any plan ever been made by the city and said, Hey, I mean, here's what we could do. Here's an actual suggestion. Like, this is what it would look like. I, I don't understand exactly how the money would work. I assume the province would have to pay for any of the changes. But has it ever gone that far? Or has it always been, we want you to do something about it? And they go, yeah, okay. And then... No, it has been. It has been where, where our staff have actually pitched. And, and, and I mean, even the mayor, I believe it was about a year ago, um, had pitched some of the ideas that we've heard. We can't, we can't do an engineering design that involves the highway. So, yeah. you know, the, the city of Fort St. John can't engineer something. And, you know, you would have seen the latest when, uh, when Canadian Tire was built and, and that intersection was changed. So, so in the past, whenever you build something near a highway... Um, you are, as the developer, responsible for any changes that are required as far as traffic flows, right? So I think the ministry has spent so many years where other people's money have made these changes that, that they really haven't had to devote a lot of, a lot of time or spending to, to intersections like this. But we're in an intersection where, you know, there, there is no new development going on. Everything now that's being built is already impeding either the intersection that was redesigned down by um, Rona for the Canadian tire or, or the intersection between uh, McDonald's and BK, right? I mean, that 108th, 109th change. So, if if nothing else is going to be added, it is time for the ministry to step up and say, you know what, this is how we can benefit um, this intersection, right? And, and in keeping the idea of what a frontage road is used for, what the terms of the Alaska Highway are, are, are most beneficial for, um, and then ensuring that the residents that use that are safe. Um, and, and that alone would save the province. I don't even know how much money when you start to, to look at the amount of accidents that may be prevented, people's lives that may be prevented, um, you know, as far as, as, as danger or harm to them. Um, it is a win, 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 but it needs to be a, a public format where, you know, everybody can have a little bit of a say in it because we're not engineers. We don't design highways, but you know what? We, we drive that intersection five times a day, 10 times a day. Sometimes that's right. And you look at anything like a Facebook comment storm that happened when we posted a story about an accident that happened there a couple of weeks ago and a bad accident, yeah. right? We're, we're lucky as far as the, the city and, and, you know, friends, family, neighbors that nobody has been hurt there in the last few accidents because that last one was a pretty bad. There was three or four cars that were involved in that one. Um, that could have easily turned into a fatality, yeah. um, that, that, who's wearing that at that point in time when we know that 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 intersection needs to be looked at all right well uh we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us about this today councillor boland thanks for being here great being back absolutely that's uh councillor trevor boland uh fort st john city councillor i uh, will be right back to talk all about the crystal cup right after this on moose talks Welcome back to the program. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're joined by an organizer of the uh, Crystal Cup Pond Hockey Challenge. 
where uh, we were hoping to be joined by the organizer of the Sid Davis Memorial Cup, but we're having a little trouble getting a hold of him. So our apologies for that and to Jamie, if you happen to be listening. But we're very happy that Neil Evans uh, joins us now on Moose Talks. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I mean, it's been uh, two, three years now since the Crystal Cup was last played. How, how excited are you that this is actually happening in about a month from now? Uh, unbelievably excited. It's been, it's been three years, uh, since, since we had our event and, uh, uh, already getting great feedback all around, uh, a lot of good reception, uh, from the community and beyond, mm-hmm. um, uh, just with the early event, uh, planning that we have underway. So we're really excited to bring it back. Uh, I know a lot of the community really wanted it back and we wanted to make it happen. So here we are and we're back together and, uh, and we're going for it. Well, I know I've I've been here for a couple of them before uh, COVID, and uh, I know it's a very popular uh, event. So was was it something that during kind of the the COVID years, if we want to call it that, uh, where you would you would be bombarded at this time of year, like, hey, is it happening? Can we do something? What's happening? Were you hearing from lots of people? We were for sure. Yeah, even uh, I mean, we took the first year off uh, in the BC Winter Games, being in Fort St. John, yeah. out of respect for that. But uh, the the two years after that, there was definitely a lot of uh, individuals that were hoping to see it up and running, but we just couldn't do it with what was happening uh, mm-hmm. to host an event that large. We wanted to make sure it was safe for everyone around, and uh, and the time has come, and here we are. Were you ever concerned uh, at all that this event maybe wouldn't come back if there was, you know, even after, I guess, last year when you, you had to cancel it or postpone it again, were you ever thinking, ah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off again now, or did you always know that ah, there's, there's enough demand. There's no way this doesn't happen as soon as we're allowed to do it. Absolutely. Honestly, I was, I was worried that, you know, are we going to be able to resurrect this event? Uh, you get an event of this magnitude and you might lose a bit of motivation with some of the people that are helping, but we have such an amazing group of guys that we're all willing to jump right back in. Uh, there's myself, Jamie Oselin, Mike Blanchett, Ken Conishuk, Gillies McDonald, and Dustin Andres are the main crew, and of course, Sheree Osterlund as well. Um, but everyone was fully on board. We had a meeting back in the fall, and uh, I mean, the first question was, who's in? And without any doubt, everyone was in and wanted to make sure it happened again. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, was there any consideration given to like how how this event might be different after it's been away for three years and 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 if god forbid some sort of thing happened where you might have restrictions back or something in place which was unlikely but nonetheless must have weighed on you a bit like what if what if we put all this planning in and we have to change things? Did that change sort of how you organized it at all or is this basically kind of going to look and feel like previous crystal cups i think it's gonna look and feel just like previous crystal cups i mean with most of the restrictions everything lifted uh we want to have it kind of set right from where we left off um Mm -hmm. with even if there were minor restrictions in place we would just go forward with it manipulate it however we needed to to make sure the event happened um but we're we're lucky in the fact that um there is really no restrictions and Mm -hmm. we can kind of just go all out uh, just right where we left off we're hoping to see the exact same amount of crowds same turnout uh, same volume out at the site and of course same amount of registrants Mm -hmm. how's that been going so far have you had a lot of response uh, and kind of 
uh, from all the usual places too in terms of teams getting registered up for this yeah it's a bit of a slow start i think the word uh, got out a bit slower than than previous i think we didn't really aggressively start uh, advertising until uh, the new year we wanted to make sure everyone had a nice holiday break there and then mm-hmm. uh, and then really pick it up. But just in the last few weeks alone, we've had several teams register in uh, all divisions and then lots of uh, interest in people just asking various questions. Uh, teams from Calgary have heard now, Prince George, Grand Prairie, uh, all inquiring wow. how they can get registered and uh, and get their get their team in. So already amazing uptake throughout uh, throughout the province and even over into an Alberta. Mm-hmm. And what about volunteers? Same sort of question. How's, how's that been going so far, the, the kind of drive to get enough people to help uh, kind of pull off the event, I suppose? Volunteers has always been, you know, that, that tricky point, getting enough people to hold an event of this size. But we do have, uh, we're, we're really... Um, lucky to have many groups that have come back and helped us year to year uh, anyone from the, the the alchemy dance group to totem archery to um, variety of groups that help us on site but we're always looking for extra volunteers for a, a number of things out at the event we're actually going to be having a volunteer an open volunteer night to anyone that's interested in assisting us and that's going to be for i believe january 30th from okay. 5 to 8 p.m at mighty peace uh, we're going to be confirming that on our Facebook group, though, and our website going forward. Wonderful. All right. Well, if you happen to be somebody thinking about this, if you've never been to it, if you uh, if you've never had a team in it, tell us a bit about what you can expect as a person who's attending it for the first time, especially since, as we know here in Fort St. John, there's always people coming and going in this town, and it's yep. been three years. So tell us, tell us what we're going to see and what we're looking at in terms of the what it is? What is the event? Really? What is the crystal? <laughs> what is it? Uh, so, I mean, for for anyone that's uh, new to Fort St. John, which there's quite a few, obviously, in the past three years that have never heard of the event, we are a uh, very large, it's, it's a pond hockey challenge out on Charlie Lake. We've yeah. been off 10 full rinks, 70 by 140 in size, and we have... Uh, an adult group, a women's division, old-timers division uh, throughout the weekend. And then on the Sunday, we have what's called the Sid Davis uh, Youth Memorial Crystal Cup, and that's ages 7 to 17. So uh, when you cross the berm there at Charlie Lake on the south end of the lake, you'll see uh, an enormous event. Uh, it's day and night, so we got light towers out there, and it's um, not just hockey there's much more than, than the pond hockey. So we do have kids events running 11 to 3 Saturday and Sunday. Uh, there's going to be everything from hot chocolate station to face painting to contests. We also have skills competitions uh, that will be out there for anyone that wants to participate in that. We also uh, take in mind or in account to anyone that's maybe new to ever skating on a lake. So we have a public area, clear off an entire public rink, as well oh. as a kid rink that's kind of free of pucks flying everywhere so for the little uh, tots and yeah it, there's something for everyone out there yeah, uh, so it, it's, it's an amazing sight it's basically like a essentially a pond hockey festival <laughs> it is it is it's turned into this uh, i mean when we started it was let's play some hockey out on the lake let's let's get a pond hockey tourney together and it is blown up uh over the course of the seven years to uh, just this huge event uh, everything from helicopter rides to, I mean, you name it, it's out Wonderful. there. Yeah. Uh, does it cost anything to like go and watch the hockey? Is there kind of like an entry fee or no fee at all? No, you can. It's free to the public to join. Come watch. Come cheer on your favorite teams. Um, come for a skate. Bring your skates. Um, we're gonna have Hal out there with the um, uh, the skate sharpening uh, truck. So if you, I think he's gonna have rentals as well. So if you've never skated. Uh, 
skated on a lake. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some skates around to come try it out. And yeah, lots of stuff to do. Wonderful. All right. And finally, if you're a, if you're looking to maybe make a team, if you want to register for that, or again, for volunteers, uh, what's the best way to kind of reach out and get registered up for that? So the best way is uh, we have register. If you're in town here in Fort St. John or close to the area, uh, there are registration packs available at Ernie's in the Totem Mall, mm-hmm. uh, right there at the counter. You can also check out uh, the Crystal Cup, Cole Cup, Sapphire Cup while you're there as well. They're on display. Uh, alternatively, online, we have the www.thecrystalcup.ca. You can download your registration packs from there uh, and just reach out to info at thecrystalcup.ca if you have any questions, if you're worried about how you're going to um, get your registration package in in time and everything. And today is the three-week registration uh, notice. So February 10th is our deadline for registration. So get them in while you can because there is a limit, especially for the adult divisions. All right. And then finally, you mentioned this already. There is a volunteer kind of uh, uh, info session coming up on, you said, the 30th, I think? We Yeah, it's not fully confirmed, but January 30th, the evening of. Okay. Uh, and if you are interested in volunteering in any way, either you can show up to that to register or just shoot us an email and we can get you down on the list. All right. For more info, uh, crystalcup.ca, you said, was the uh, web address, the right? Crystalcup.ca, that's right. Excellent. Neil, thank you so much for uh, making some time to join us today to talk about it. We really appreciate it thank you for having me you're very welcome that's neil evans one of the organizers of the crystal cup pond hockey challenge our thanks again to our guests trevor bolin and neil evans for joining us today and our apologies uh, to jamie osterland uh, we were unable to uh, connect with them but uh uh, we're sorry that we weren't able to. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to uh, check out more energeticcity.ca podcasts, including old episodes of Moose Talks, you got to check out uh, Moose FM, pardon me, energeticcity.ca slash podcast. Uh, the podcasts there include episodes of Secrets of the North, Before the Peace, Voices of the Peace, and as I said, old episodes of Moose Talks. You can also hear episodes of these uh, podcasts Sunday nights at 5 p.m., on Moose FM, uh, where we've got a brand new show called Energetic City Presents. Again, Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Check it out. Well, that's our show for today. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.